Good morning. Thank you. All, it's all that sugar we gave you uh, this morning. Hey, so if you'll come in and have a seat, I always love to look for opportunities to praise the Lord. And, uh, and one of those opportunities uh, is, is this morning. So I know we have a lot of new folks here in the last couple years, and you may not know this family, but some of you do. And for the first time in five years since she was diagnosed with cancer and has gone through all of that, Miss Peggy and Billy Patterson are here. Would you all stand? So it, is, it has been five years, and, and many of you, if you've been here during that time, know that she is, by the grace of God, a walking miracle. And, uh, and so for, her, for them to be here, Billy as well, and just the, the, the way that you have cared for her is to be commended, and we praise the Lord for that. And it, as soon as I saw you, I was like, man, I got, we got to praise the Lord together. So glad that you all are here. All right, y'all ready to worship together? All right, let's stand and let's worship together. of power, our sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless with awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, 
the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. Guys, if you'll sing with me, and ladies, if you'll echo, it's, it's summer, it's kind of a youth camp kind of thing to do, but uh, y'all can sing, sing with me. You are holy, you are holy, you are mighty, you are mighty, you are worthy, you are worthy, You're worthy of praise, worthy of praise, I will follow. I will listen. I will listen. I will love you. I will love you. All of my days. All of my days. I will sing to and worship the
25 years ago in high school singing that song with our youth group so that was awesome all right well good morning if you'll take a moment and welcome those around you All right, if you will make your way back to your seats and be seated. You'll make your way back to your seats while you're making your way back there. And, and I'll, I'll dismiss our children later, but just want to let you know this morning, we only have children's church for our youngest. So kindergarten through second, just giving you parents a little bit of heads up. We will have children's church for the rest of the summer for everybody, but just today, the way it worked out, we'll only have it for our smallest. I'm so used to walking around up here, but i got to stay in one place because I don't have my microphone on. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside. We're so thankful that you are here to worship with us. Man, it has been an incredible week, um, going all the way back to Wednesday for our beginning of summer bash that we had to Thursday, our senior luncheon, the number of seniors that were here, and then Pastor Gary did the devotion to yesterday with our suicide intervention training with, with Pastor Lou. I don't know if he'll do any more of those trainings nearby, but if he does and you were not able to make it yesterday, I want to highly, strongly recommend. It was one of the most beneficial things that I've been able to be a part of. And Lou does an incredible job of communicating the need um, for those struggling with suicide, mental health, and how, how you and I can just speak, ask the question, be there, listen, right, learn, and then begin to lead them in the need for that. And so if you ever have an opportunity, I would highly recommend that. Well, good morning. If this is your first time with us, welcome. Uh, there's a couple ways that you can let us know that you're here for the first time. There's a QR code in the bulletin that you can scan, or there's a connection card out there in the foyer at the welcome desk that we would love for you to take a moment um, and fill that out. We have a lot of things going on today. Uh, we have our Sunday school teachers meeting at 4.30. We have our annual International Food Fellowship tonight. Uh, last year was the first year I got to experience that. I was amazed at the amount of food that we have. 
So I'm expecting that same amount of food tonight. Um, right, you, you bring some food from a different country. Hopefully you've had a chance to research a little bit, maybe missions, uh, Christianity in that country, and you can share a little bit about that um, tonight, and then we'll have a time of prayer. You see other things that are going on right after the service. Uh, right after the service, if you'll make your way, students who are going to Snowbird and at least one parent to the YAC, the Youth Activity Center, um, so we can have a meeting. The meeting will take about 10 minutes. It won't be long, but we do need to go over some stuff with you all um, over there. Well, this morning we have a very special guest, and he's going to be coming later and, and speaking uh, about an issue, a topic, a biblical truth that you all know is near and dear to, to my family's heart and to many of, of the families in this church who have adopted or fostered. And so that is Brian and his wife, Ivy Scoggin. Um, and so he currently works with Families for Families. And I don't know if everybody always does this, but he's also the former drummer for Casting Crowns. It's part of your identity, I guess. So, um, But he currently works with Family for Families. And thanks to Bill Zink, we, we were able to hook up for lunch, I don't know, three, four months ago. Just had an incredible time. Brian spoke for Upward last fall um, for our end of the season soccer. And just his ability to communicate, to communicate the gospel, to speak truth, um, was just encouraged by that. And then after lunch, I just wanted him to come to share his heart, how God has worked in his life, bringing him to this point, and how we as Northside can partner with the need for adoptive and, and foster care. And I'm sure he'll share a lot more about that, but the need is great. And so my prayer is, as you're listening this morning, that the Spirit of God would lay upon your heart, how can you help? Regardless of your age, how can you get involved? How can you help? How can you support those foster and adoptive families in our church just to be a blessing to them? Uh, I want to take a moment to pray. And you notice on the front of the bulletin, it won't be on the screen, but on the front of the bulletin is Psalm 68.5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. And then the next verse says, God settles the solitary in a home, or God settles the lonely in a family. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. So can we have a moment of just praying that scripture, going to the Lord together, and then we'll continue to worship together this morning. So let's pray. Father, you are a father. You are God, you are Yahweh, you are the creator, you are eternal, you are holy, you are worthy of our praise, we adore you. You are all of those things, and at the same time, you are Father, and you are near to us. And God, this morning, the reason we can sing and the reason we can celebrate and the reason we are filled with joy is not because of who we are or what we've done or because of our circumstances, but it is because of what you have done for us, rescuing us from our sin, reconciling us to you, God, through your son, Jesus Christ, and you call us sons and daughters. We were orphans, spiritually, 
and you brought us into a family. We thank you for that. Father, there are also children in this room who physically were orphans. They've been abandoned, neglected, forsaken, abused. God, you love and care about each one of them. And those in this room, God, you have rescued and you have set and placed into a family. And beyond that, you have placed them into a church family here in Northside that loves each and every one of them. But God, we also know the need is great. That there are more children right now as we pray. In environments, in homes, God, where they are not loved and cared for. But God, you see them. You love them, you care for them. There are children, God, who need a safe home. Somebody to love them. There are children who need a forever home, an adoptive home. So Father, I thank you for Brian, for Ivy, for God, the work that you're doing through them as a couple, as a family, through families for families. God, thank you for what you're going to say through him this morning, what you've laid upon his heart. And Lord, if one family steps up today and says, hey, I'm willing to step in the gap, to see a need and meet a need, then Father, we'll praise you. And God, we pray for one, we pray for multiple families. God, that you would just prick our hearts, break our hearts for what breaks yours, Father, we pray. As we continue to worship, Lord, receive this praise for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to worship together.
the fatherless, they find their rest at the sound of your great name. The sick are healed, and the dead are raised at the sound of your I'll stay put. How about that? You can hear me now, right? Guys, thanks for allowing us to come. My wife, Ivy, and I are honored to be here and glad to be at a healthy church. Jesus told his disciples in the upper rooms, the last time he ever spent with them before the cross, he said, if you abide in me and I in you, he it is that will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And what I see here is a pastor and a congregation who are totally fine with just focusing in on Jesus and doing whatever it is he's called us to do. It's a healthy church. What else could we, what else could we expect to be? Just whatever Jesus is calling us to be. So I'm already encouraged. Uh, worship team, awesome job. That might be the youngest worship team I've seen in quite a while, and I thought it was cool. Where's my sister from the drums? Where's she at? I was impressed, and thank you for your servant heart and talents. You don't get to see enough girl drummers. Yeah, that's the last thing she wanted. Well, uh, 
like Pastor Aaron said, I, I did spend from 2009 until 2021 as the drummer for Casting Crowns. Now, that was something I had dreamed of since I was a little boy. Not necessarily being in Casting Crowns, but I had dreamed of doing that kind of role uh, since I can remember. My dad was a musician, so I grew up just thinking, I, I should just be a musician for my whole life. And so it's funny how God lets you dream a dream as a kid, and then he has way bigger plans, but he doesn't reveal them to you yet. And so he, for me, he took me all around the country, all the states, and then he took me around the world just so he could prepare me for this. And this kind of season in our life was like when Jesus um, called Peter to walk out on the waves. I don't know what's coming next. I just know I got to keep my eyes on him. That's what, that's what leaving Casting Crowns was. I, I just had no idea from this point on we're just following Jesus, right? So I like the idea that um, I can dream so far, but then Jesus says, I'll invite you further into dreams that I have for you, into plans that I have for you. And that's not just for me. That's for all of his people. He has plans. He has ideas. He has things that he can do in your life that are far beyond your imagination or your plans. That's why I'm talking to you this morning about the subject of foster care in our area like I'm telling you I have nothing against kids I like kids a lot actually but I've also not the guy who's always wanted to stay like in a room full of them for too long you know what I'm saying <laughs> like like I like them like Friday night I was in a room full of kids for three hours and the Lord's really working like we did great we had a really good time and I left full but you know our kids Ivan and I have two sons they're 13 and 16 and, like, the older they get, we miss some things, but we're okay with that. We enjoy them being able to do for themselves and yada, yada, yada. So when my youngest son, who's now 13, he was 10, uh, one day I was in his bedroom, and he said, uh, he's really good at getting his way, and he just always kind of slips it in real casual. He's like, Dad, I just really want a sister. And I was like, how do I break this to him? Son, we're surgically insured against those. <laughs> and he's like, I was like, never mind. So I said, that's not really like part of the plan. Like, you know, we can't have a, a sister, you know, like you and your brother, that's it, you know. And um, he said, no, I want a sister. I want a sister with Afro puffs. And I was like, oh, so you have a specific kind of sister in mind. I was like, you're thinking adoption. You already know we can't have any more children. You want to adopt a baby girl. And I was like, well, son, listen, we're, we're really enjoying the idea that you and your brother are getting a little more independent. We like being able to go to lunch and leaving you guys at home. And uh, a baby's not really on the radar for me and mom. Now, granted, I was traveling. I was touring. We were pretty busy people like most of us, right? We're, we're busy people. Um, and I just kind of filed that away, but I think my son just kept on praying and kept on wishing, and so God really began to deal with my heart uh, towards the end of 2018, and when I say deal with my heart, I mean like, I feel like for maybe 15, 20 years of my life, I had been building my kingdom in Jesus' name. Does that make sense? We're all capable of getting in that place and not even knowing it. Jesus told a group of people, he says, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's easy to just think you're doing good when you've really missed the message of Jesus and you've just learned through culture or through tradition what you think is good and you're 
totally missing it, but the scariest thing is you don't even know you're missing it. And I think I had been guilty of that for quite a while. And so God, in his grace, began to work in me, began to cause me to have eyes to see where I was missing it and where my heart was totally wrong. And it was all rooted in the fact that he was not on the throne of my heart. I was. And I was really good at using Jesus to be a person that everybody thought well of and was successful. Does that make sense? And so God really began to work in my heart, and he did it by bringing me to his word over and over and over again. You know, it's never a waste of time to be still for an extended amount of time and spend time with God. That's not an easy word to accept today, but I'll say it again. It's never a waste of your time to just drop everything and spend an extended amount of time with God, praying and reading God's word, and just thinking about God. God will do, in a moment of time with him, he will bring clarity, he will bring direction, he will bring peace. Sorry. He'll bring peace in a moment that you will never achieve through a lifetime of trying to get it somewhere else. It's never a waste of time to spend time with God. And so he was bringing me into that kind of relationship with him. And I'll tell you, when I was touring and on the road, by the way, it's not what you think, okay? I have been to all 50 states. I have been to many countries around the world. But unfortunately, in a lot of these places, I've just seen the inside of a concrete arena. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of downtime. You don't have your own car. I'm not here to make, it's, it's really awesome too. But I'm just saying, you have a lot of downtime. Um, so I got to where I was spending a good majority of the downtime just reading the scriptures. And God was giving me great meaning from the scriptures because he was bringing me to a place of surrender. So as I would read the scriptures, my heart was open to whatever they were telling me to do. That's another thing we have to be careful for is reading the scriptures just to make ourselves feel good. But our heart is not open to being changed by the scriptures. And God, by his grace, was working in my heart in these ways. And so I remember coming to a verse. I believe it was James chapter 1, verse 27. It says this, pure and undefiled religion is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. When I read that, God began to speak to me. I had read that verse many times. But when you read the verse, the, the, the scriptures with a surrendered heart, God will speak to you. And he will change your ideas and he will change your plans. And I heard the Lord speak, not audibly of course, but I, he spoke to my spirit. Um, and it was something like this. Brian, you sure are blessed. I sure have blessed you. You're still young. You have a great wife, a godly wife. You have resources. You have a good bit of time. Why are you so selfish with all the blessings that I've given you? That was the Lord's words to me, and then I just knew exactly what he meant. I thought back to my son's prayer. I thought, why don't I have margin in my life? Why am I not available to other children that God has obviously called us all to What's wrong with me? 
Why am I so selfish? Why am I so guarded with everything that God has given me? And in that moment, by God's grace, I just said, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever. Now, I've never, I've never thought about adoption. I've never thought about, I've actually turned down opportunities to help kids. We, I have, personally. I, I was the guy, I don't really think that's for us. We prayed about, you know, I've been that guy. But in that moment, I just said, yes, Lord, I don't know what I'm getting into. I don't know what this is about. But the answer is yes. So I was about to go on stage, and I had been kind of wrestling with it and praying about it and just thinking about it. And I finally grabbed my phone, and this was right before I was going to go on the stage. We usually hang outside stage. And I just texted my wife, and I said, what are we going to name our daughter? Send. And I left for an hour. So Ivy gets that text, and you know, it's probably 8 o'clock in the evening, and she uh, is obviously confused. And an hour later, when I finally go pick my phone up after leaving the stage, there were a lot of text messages with question marks. We had no idea what we were getting into, but when we began to pray more about it together, we realized God hasn't necessarily called us to adoption, but something we had never thought of is God is calling us to be available to help children in need he's calling us to simply be willing and that's where our foster care journey began now we started with just our local defects office and it was a little slow and one thing that I didn't love is that we didn't connect with anybody that had like-mindedness as far as I'm doing this in obedience to Christ's command and I wanted to join a fellowship of people who were also doing that same thing that's where Families for Families came in. Wayne Noggle, the founder of Families for Families, I didn't know this, was really close friends with Mark and Melanie Hall, the singer and his wife of Casting Crowns. And so they go, you're wanting to do stuff with kids, why don't you call Wayne? And I was like, who's Wayne? And I call Wayne and things began to immediately move forward quickly and we had a lot of peace. So Families for Families is a private organization we actually officially have a contract with DFACS in the state of Georgia so we can place children for DFACS. There's a huge need. Actually, Coweta County, is that where we are? This is Coweta, right? Region 4 of, uh, I think there's 15 or 16 regions of DFACS zones here in Georgia. We're in Region 4, and Coweta County, I think, has the highest number of kids in placement than any other county in Region 4. So it's right here in your neighborhood. And it's easy to go on mission trips and go visit orphanages, but America doesn't really do orphanages. America does foster families. So the orphanages are spread out all throughout our community, and we just don't know anything about them for the most part. So Families for Families, our specific mission is this. Somebody is going to get these foster kids. They might go to a home with people who just want to do it for the money because there's reimbursement involved. They might go to a home with someone who just wants to do good and give back, but is far, far, far from God. And these children will never be brought to church. They'll never be discipled. They'll never have an opportunity to come to Christ. Our mission is to go into churches and partner with churches and pastors like Pastor Aaron and his wife. And to meet and to engage the church in our area that way. We have a network, or even better, an army of Christian moms and dads who are prepared to say yes to the children that God's called us to. So that way when the calls come in, 
the kid doesn't go to a same-sex couple. The kid doesn't go to someone who's never going to take them to church. The kid goes to a Christian mom and dad who are going to make sure they learn about Jesus. This has been our experience over and over and over again. So that's what we do, and that's why I'm here. And you say, why does God want his people to be involved in orphan care? What is it to God? Why does it matter? I think it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. When God brought his nation, Israel, out of Egypt, think about something for a minute. They became a nation in slavery. Does that make sense? Like, Jake, Joseph went, Jacob and his you know, sons went, and they were just 70 people. And over, like, how many, 400 years or something like that, they rose to be, like, hundreds of thousands of people. They literally became a nation based on God's promise, but a nation that never knew anything but slavery. They had never owned land, although God said, you group of slaves are going to get the best land on the face of the planet. That's my promise to you. So they didn't know quite how to deal with it, but as God was leading them out, he gave them all these really high, holy, and pure moral laws. And one of them was that they weren't going to oppress weak people. They weren't going to take advantage of orphans, the fatherless, the widows, the, the visitors. They were actually going to be the ones who helped them and protected them and took care of them. Always and forever, God has been interested in protecting the weak, in caring for the weak. Old Testament and new. A few scriptures that I just pulled out from the Old Testament. Psalm 68.5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Psalm 10, 17 through 18, you, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them. And you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed. Now listen, one thing that's important for the men to understand in here is that God always refers to the fatherless. Or the widow. In both cases, there's no male protector involved in this life. You might think that you don't have a big responsibility, men, but God has made you with a big responsibility. It's time we realize it. You don't get to choose. God made you this way. We have to embrace it. We have to stop being not men and be the men God's called us to be and embrace what God's called us to do. And he says that children need a father. And those that are fatherless, he has called us to. It's very important. It's very important that we be exactly who God has created us to be. And men, it's leaders it's fathers to the fatherless. You say, why then is God so interested in it? There's a story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 18 about an unforgiving servant. Anybody ever read it? It says, this man had a master that he owed 10,000 talents to. Now, if you just skim through that, you'll realize that you won't realize, actually, how important that number is. 10,000 talents. Do you think it's about 10,000 bucks? Maybe. If you owed someone $10,000, which most of us probably do, <laughs> right? You're like, no big deal. Let me tell you what 10,000 talents was. So 
a talent was 20 years worth of wages for a normal laborer. One talent was 20 years worth of wages for a normal worker. This guy owed 10,000 of those. What's 20 times 10,000? Large amount of number that you will, you will never live those many years. Jesus is not just playing patty cake here. He's being very serious. He's saying this man owed a debt that could not be paid. An impossible debt. A debt that would leave one hopeless. And he said the master forgave him his debt and set him free. Does that sound like good news to us? Well, in a spiritual sense, which is way more important and way more eternal than the natural sense, we have been, each of us, those people. If we've trusted Christ and we've received pardon from every sin, we have become those people. Now, Jesus goes on to say, but that very same man who had received such forgiveness, such grace, what a gift, that man went out in the street and he came across the man who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a hundred denarii was a hundred days worth of work. That's not too bad, right? Two million years or however many, did I do that math right? 20,000 times 10,000, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Just a hundred days, very petty. The guy should have just easily went like, brother, I'm on cloud nine, I can't, can't wait to tell you what the master has done for me. No, he didn't, he didn't testify to the glory and the grace of his master with his actions or his words. He went out and began to choke this guy over what was owed to him. And he said when the master found out, he threw him in prison and he said, no, you, you're not forgiven now. You're not forgiven. You'll stay here until you've paid every last debt. You see, when James 1.27 says... Pure and undefiled religion is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. These things do not save us. Jesus saves us. Walking in these kind of things is what we do when we're saved. Does that make sense? This is us going, look what has been done for us. Now, in turn, therefore, this is how I will live my life. Freed forgiven, gifted, covered, nothing to worry about, no heavy burden. I have margin, and my answer, God, is yes. I will make myself available to anything that's important to you because of who you are to me. That's why God wants us to be involved. It's a display. It's worship. It's gratitude. It shows the whole lost and dying world of, you know why I have the ability and the margin and the will to serve these kids, to rescue these kids, to love these kids, to provide for these kids, because that is exactly what has been done for me. What a witness. What a display of this good news that we all hope in. What a display. And I know that's why God's called us to it. He doesn't want us to be the people that step on hurting and weak people to get to where we want to be because we already have everything we need. We have the treasure in a field that everybody's been trampling on, that one man found and in his joy covered up and went and sold everything he had, all the treasure, all the ambitions, because he wanted that field that no one else thought was important. We are those people. We already have everything, 
And so now we live out of the riches of Christ. We live happily obeying everything he said that will lead to life. So that's why God cares. You say, how does then this obedience in this way increase my faith? How does it help the church? Well, I'll tell you this. We had some boys in our house one time. We were just keeping them. It's called respite. So it's something you can do as a foster parent where you don't commit to a long term, but you just give their foster parent a break. So you'll take them for the weekend, or in this case, we had these boys for nine days. His foster parents went to Hawaii, and we just stayed at home. And so we had the two boys, and uh, one of them loved the Power Rangers. He was like hyper fixated, hyper focused on Power Rangers, like just didn't want to do anything but stare at the TV and watch them. And I had all these big plans. One, I was bored stiff and I was ready to get out of the house. And I thought, let's go to Noah's Ark. Let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. Let's go to all these fun places that kids like to go. And I was like, hey, man, we're going to go out and do some fun stuff. He's like, I don't want to. I just want to watch Power Rangers. And I couldn't like get him to get away from the TV. And I'm standing back there thinking that this kid, I'm going, if you only knew all the wonderful plans I have for you and all the things I want you, I want to do that are going to be so awesome, you wouldn't be so hyper-focused on this stuff that's getting you nowhere and means nothing. And God was like, that's you. <laughs> it was just clear as day. I mean, it was just like a shot. Just boom, that's you, Brian. You're welcome. There's a grace perspective. <laughs> I was like, I'm telling you, we just had 13 of them Friday night. We do date nights. We give the foster moms and dad a night out uh, once a month on a Friday. We had 13 of them at a church in Williamson, Georgia. And I'm telling you, every time I hang out with these kids, I'm just reset. I'm refocused. Life slows down, and I just look at this group of kids that, like, their mom and dad can't provide. They're in bondage. They're, they're, they're wrestling with sin. They're unable and these kids aren't just forgotten about. Like, they're loved. And here we are, like, eating pizza and playing Frisbee and just tag. And I, it, I just leave full every time I'm around these kids and I'm reminded so much of the grace that God has given us and how good of a father he is. That's the wonderful thing about God. If God wanted to, he could have related to us on different terms. Think about that term and that relationship of father. That's intimate. That's all access. That's <laughs> You get everything I have, not because you earn it, but because you're mine. You get all of me because you're mine. That term father is awesome. Those are God's terms. We didn't pick those. God could have been intergalactic, far-off, distant dictator who forgives sins and then says, leave me alone. Those were not his terms. He said, I want to forgive your sins for this reason, so you can be mine. I want to give you my name. I want to give you every single bit of riches that I can afford. And I've already promised you that I wanted to do it by sending my own son. I didn't send my dog. I didn't send my friend. I didn't send another prophet. I sent my son to promise you that I want to be your father. Two, I want you to be mine. Those are wonderful terms. And once again, this is a display 
of us saying, we believe that we have a Father who's taken us in our weakness and our frailty and our filth, and he's cleaned us and he's forgiven us, not just to kick us back out to go find the mud again, but to draw us close, to work in our hearts, to transform our lives so that we, we live to his glory because we look like him. You say, how's it helped the church? Outreach is good. Mission trips are really good. But, you know, if you go to the park and you cook hot dogs for all the underprivileged people once or twice a year and hand out backpacks when school starts, that's great. But, you know, when you're bringing these same very, very same kids into your home and you're loving them as your own and they're coming through this children ministry and this youth ministry week in, week out, that's another level. The goal of evangelism in the church is accomplished all of a sudden because why? We're bringing in people who need Jesus. And we're not just inviting them and then leaving them. We're inviting them in to live in our homes and to share the gospel with them and to live the gospel in front of them. This is evangelism at its finest. And it's also discipleship at its finest. To live with these people, to bring them into our home and to show them love, not just a handout. This is God's plan. You know, after Jesus sent out his 72 disciples and they came back and they were just ordinary guys. They weren't much of anything. They definitely weren't the kings or the ruling class. They were ordinary folks and they came back and they said, this is insane. Like, even the evil spirits are subject to us. And he says, don't, don't, don't rejoice about that. That's cool and all. That, that comes with the territory here. Don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then Jesus has a little private worship party all by itself. It says in that same hour, Jesus in the spirit prayed and, and worshiped. And he said, Father, I glorify you that you have revealed these things to little children. Such was your perfect and pleasing will. God wants to reveal himself, not to people who think they're strong and accomplished. God reveals himself to people who know they're weak who know they need him. God always calls us to be this way, to approach him like a child, and to always receive children in his name. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives not only me, but him who sent me. I hope you're encouraged today. There are ways to get involved. You know, there's about 13 to 14,000 foster kids in Georgia. Seems like a lot. I mean, if we put them all on this campus, they would fill up every building. That's a lot of kids without a mom and dad. But you know what? This is not a problem that's too big for God's people. Why? Because there's about 25,000 churches in Georgia. About 14,000 foster kids, but about 25,000 churches. God's preparing his people. His people just need to know that there's a need. If every other church had one foster kid with one family in the church, God's people would completely and exclusively be meeting the need for orphan care in the state of Georgia. That's a pretty cool stat, isn't it? Do you know every single night in the state of Georgia, there's approximately 400 children, children sleeping in hotel rooms with their caseworker because there are not enough foster homes in our state. 
Just a few weeks ago, Ivan and I drove to meet a, a sibling group of two girls, 10 and 7. Very sweet, very girly, very fun, very loud, very singy girls. And they hopped in our back seat, and they were coming from Valdosta, Georgia. We met them in Unadilla, Georgia, and we were taking them. They, they went all the way to Statham, Georgia. So because there were no homes, they had to go five hours from where they, were, they lived to be placed. And these little girls just blew our minds. I said, let's have a prayer for this food. We got them some Dairy Queen there in the back seat. And I said, okay, let's pray. I'm going to pray. And then that little girl, a little 17-year-old girl, just cut me off and began to pray the purest, sweetest prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would bless our food, and I pray for these sweet people who are helping us, and I pray that Mommy and Daddy would adopt us again, and it just on and on and on. This kind of stuff. These are the children that we're dealing with week in and week out. They're not, they're not crazy. or they're just, they're just kids, and they need love. So there's many ways to help. Like I said, if just one family at every church had one kid, the church, God's people, would be this bright, shining city on a hill in this area of foster and orphan care. So how can I get involved, you say? I'm, I'm, I'm aware that not everybody in this church is at a place where they're saying, could you fill my house up with kids? I, I'm aware, because I know that's not the truth. That's not how the body works. How it should look is there's one or two or three families in this church, a congregation this size, who says, I don't know what I'm getting into, but the answer is yes, I will make myself available. And when those kids come to these families, the rest of this body supports those families in their effort. That's what the body looks like. Everybody has different gifts. So if you're, if you're um, the kind of person who likes to bring gifts, you know what? foster families need hey would you like some gift cards for dinner for a, a night or two a week man how nice is that we had one family that had three biological kids of their own six nine and twelve and as soon as their house got open they said yes to a sibling group of three one two and four so they went from three kids to six kids diaper kids right and i'll tell you they were like we don't know what we're getting into the answer is yes so I went over and visited them. I realized you got a lot of kids running around out in the yard and you don't have a trampoline with a net that zips. You need that. You need to zip them kids up for about 30 minutes at a time and just relax. So I went down to Tractor Supply, bought a 14 foot trampoline with a net and a zipper. And me and that dad put it together on the spot. That's the kind of support our families need. That's what families for families exist to do. We, we, I, I'm not here to convince anybody of this. What I am sure of is that God has probably already placed it on your heart. And I'm just here as a confirmation to let you know there's an open door in front of you now. We're here to help. We will guide you. We will protect you. We will, we will help you get through this process. And we will be there to support you. We will not leave you or forsake you. We're here to help. And your church body is here to help. So with that being said, I pray that when, I, when, when we leave this morning, my wife and I are going to go to the back. We, we're going to have a list. There's no obligation. There's no commitment today. We would just like your information if you really feel like there's some ways that you'd like to help. Obviously, you can support, support any families that are here. Um, respite care is, hey, I want to go through the process. 
I want to go through the process, and I'm not willing to say I'll take kids forever, but I'm willing to take kids for the weekend. I'm willing to take kids for a week. If you're interested in doing that, sign up with us. If you say, no, I, I want to look at going through the process. I want to open my home up. It's still, there's still no obligation. I just want to be available to say yes when I can. Then go through the process. Let us get you trained. and let you, It's not an easy process. It takes some time. It may pry all up in your business, too, but it's okay. One last illustration before, before we go. You say, I don't, I don't have time. There's too much stuff. I don't know if I'm interested. It's too much work. Paul had this big debate going on for a while because he believed that salvation was strictly by grace through faith. And that's what we believe, right? There's no work we can do to earn God's grace. We just get it as a gift as we believe on Christ, the only way in which he intended to give grace. And so Paul had this big meeting with the rest of the church leaders, so that'd be like Peter and John in Jerusalem. They called it the Jerusalem Council. It's in the book of Acts. And they have this big meeting, and they come to a decision that, okay, circumcision is not necessary to be in Christ. You don't have to be circumcised. It's fine. You just have to believe. That was the resolution they came to. The very next chapter, Paul takes his friend Timothy and circumcises him. They're like, what did you do that for? You just won the case, man. Like, and now you're going to put this poor fellow through that? And Paul said, no, the reason we're circumcising you is not so you can be saved. The reason we're circumcising you is because there are people who need to be saved. And in their lost and unregenerate state, they will not accept you. And they will not accept your gospel unless you are circumcised. There is no hurdle that we should not be willing to cross in order to do the things that God has called us to do. Does that make sense? Was that illustration helpful? I hope it was. I had no intention to talk about circumcision today, but it's just a helpful <laughs> illustration because that's about as bad as it gets, right, fellas? You're like, don't call, don't ask me to do that. So we're going to pray. We're going to walk out back. I hope to meet you. I hope some of you will say, I've already been praying about this, and this is just a confirmation. Let's, let's get some information. We want to set up an information session a time when we come back and we just present kind of like the nuts and bolts of this. It'll take about an hour, and uh, that'll be the next thing we do, hopefully. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words and how your Holy Spirit gives them deep meaning, meaning that transforms our thinking and transforms the way we are willing to live, God. It changes us, so we thank you for your words that are powerful. And today I pray that your words would fall upon good soil, soil that... When the seeds are planted in them, God, they bear much fruit. I pray that today for this congregation, for this church, that they would experience this whole new plane of obedience and walking in uh, the grace that you have shown us, God. Who knows? Only you, Lord, will know the blessings that will come as we walk in this way. So we pray, God, for them to be established as people obey in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll please stand with us.
and foster care we just sang a song that I love your will be done and I would love to stand up here and tell you that when God began to place that on our heart that it, I was a pastor at the time that I was a resounding yes God I'm all in but I wasn't and I can remember sitting at my kitchen table late at night with my Bible open listening to Christian music I can't even remember what song it was and I began to weep and it was God saying look Aaron you're either all in to say yes to whatever my will is for you or you're not. And so we said yes. 
Some of you, maybe you're thinking, man, if I say yes, like I'm going to have a kid tomorrow. That's not how it works. I mean, it, it took several years, even in that process, before we eventually adopted Malachi, but even a while before we had our first placement. This isn't a, you say yes today and you got kids running around tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. But if God has laid that upon your heart, I'm just going to ask you to take that next step. And that next step is to see Brian and Ivy. They'll be out there. They can get some more information to sign up and just say, okay, God, you laid it upon my heart this morning. Now I'm going to keep walking until you make it clear what your will would be for us. And that you would just follow that. And you would say your will be done. Whatever the Lord's laying upon your heart, that you would say your will be done. Brian, thank you for sharing your heart, for sharing the word. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Make sure you see them on your way out. Um, if you have any questions, I know they'll, they'll uh, answer those. Just a couple of announcements before Larry comes and, and prays our Deacon of the Week. Um, don't forget about our International Food Fellowship tonight that starts at 6 o'clock. Very informal. You just bring your food, set it on the table. We'll have drinks. We just eat. Fellowship. That'll be a great time. Uh, our students, um, if, you, that if you're going to camp, you'll make your way to the activity room. And we want at least one parent. You don't have to have both parents, but at least one parent if you'll make your way over there. There's some other announcements. we got a game board game night next Sunday night. You want to see that announcement. One other thing, you probably saw it when you came in. Some bags are already up there. Um, Operation Christmas Child will be here before you know it, the shoeboxes. So we're doing bags again. So if you're interested in helping, Miss Debbie will be out there. You can take a couple and sew them at home. You can see Debbie or Pat. We're also thinking about having one large sewing day on August 13th if there's enough interest. So if you're interested, August 13th works for you. Please stop by, see Debbie, um, and let them know. Um, and, and if we have enough interest, we'll do that. So that's an awesome ministry where we can love on kids. And we're, or you ladies and some of you men can use your hands. You know what you're doing, how to sew. And you can do that for the glory of God. Larry, if you want to come. And close us with a word of prayer. It's been a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you to Steve for all that you do for Sunday school, brother. Greatly appreciate it. Um, Izzy, thank you for playing the drums. I told him this morning, I said only one person is going to be nervous this morning. It's the drummer. Right? And so uh, Izzy was doing that. Use your teacher voice. All right. If you'll stand, Larry's going to use